Okay. Well, worship set was... Y- yes, I, I needed to do the worship set about seven more times. And... Yeah. Um, okay, so... This is off the cuff, kind of, from the, the week. Yep. Oh, Lord. Encourage us. Just like in the worship said, encourage us all today. Where each of us are, all the friends on Facebook and later, and may we all be encouraged in this period of time in history. In the name of Jesus who sits at your right hand. Father, we know you're going to send him back. And we know it's your throne. Every you you feel the struggle of humanity and your children and your Jewish children and your Christian children. Yes, Lord. Your will. Your will today, Lord. Fill this room with your presence. Any residue that is not of you, drive it away. So I'm going to go to Psalms 27. New American Standard. You know, David's been on the run from Saul's forces. And he's gathered some. I didn't back up and look exactly what's going on in Psalms 27 exactly. But you get it from listening to him. The fact that he can write a psalm, a song... Somewhere, and I always picture he's in the back of a cave or somewhere he's up way on top of a rock, but he's, he's not just standing out in the open like, come and get me. <laughs> and and uh, wow, what a perfect timing to, I read 27 this week and like, I just turned off the news, you know, and uh From Ivy League college students shaking their hands at the living God, God have mercy on them. It doesn't matter what you fill in the blank with, the fact that they're shaking their fist at God is a scary place. 
because the path that they're on right now is separated from God permanently someday. And may they awaken. They're young. May, may they awaken. Now, the older ones that are in Congress doing the very same thing, gosh, they're gonna, their time's getting short, and they're shaking their fists. And I go, yeah, you know, God is gracious, but he only lets us do this stuff for so long, so have mercy on them. Have mercy across the whole... Uh, nothing's changed. Nothing's. I mean, it has changed, but we have these re reoccurring cycles of things. They knew, they knew a deliverer was coming, and so they started killing off all the boy babies in Egypt. They were spiritually awake. They could pick up on spiritual things, but they didn't understand what they were picking up on. And they could duplicate things like God would do through Moses up to a certain point, and then they couldn't duplicate it. So powerful spiritual darkness was in Egypt, but God had a plan to put a baby in a reed basket and have him be raised from the house of Pharaoh so that he would know all the things to do properly in Egypt. But then he ends up out in the desert because he tried to do some justice of his own and took out an Egyptian. He's on the other side of nowhere. He's shepherding sheep he helps out a girl shepherdess she tells her dad who happens to be a spiritual leader and and owns the sheep invite him home bring him over he and Zipporah get married you know they have some boys he's out walking one day and sees a bush on fire but the fire doesn't seem to consume the bush so he turns aside to see what, what it is about this bush that's on fire. And as soon as he turns aside, the bush talks. Isn't that the way it is? He wasn't expecting to be a burning bush that would talk to him. He was just a be, being about his business, being a shepherd, you know? Been a long time since the days of Pharaoh and the courts. A long time. He's got it good. He's got some boys. He's got a nice wife. He, he gets along with his father-in-law and the family. You know, he runs into some stuff every now and then, but mainly it's sheep out, out in, you know, wastelands. And then a bush talks to him. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. For 400 years, it was prophesied that they would suffer. And God says, I have seen the suffering of my people, and I'm sending you to deliver them. I'm not a good speaker. That's okay. You've got a brother who speaks really well. I'll let him go with you. <laughs> 
And before you know it, we got a big movie. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, we've stood a bunch of jello up to make it look like the, the real thing, but there really was walls of water on either side, you know. It was, a, it was deep enough to drown the Egyptian army. You know, people go, no, it's only six inches of water. I said, well, that's even more amazing if it's only six inches because it's, it's hard to take out a chariot with uh, metal wheels and stuff <laughs> and drown everybody. Like, Hundalbi can't walk well in six inches of water. It's probably a little deeper than that. Come forward in time. King wipes out all the, all the children in Bethlehem because he's heard there's someone coming. People who stay the stars have gone to visit the, ki the king and said, there is a king that has been prophesied in the stars. His star, we have seen his star. We have come to worship him. Oh, well, go find out where he is. I'd like to worship him. <laughs> Tells Joseph in the middle of the night, take take the take his mother, take the mother and the and the child and leave right now. The king is gonna try to wipe him out. And he's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And there's war in Israel right now. Again, again, the enemy wants to wipe out the children of God. And we are the grafted own branch on the olive tree. The Christians are. And the enemy wants to wipe the whole tree out. The olive tree of the Jewish part and the grafted own part of the Christians. We're all in this together. Psalms 27. David on the run. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? He's singing that. He's written a song so he can hear his own song again. I imagine he played this one a lot. Played it maybe for his, some of the guys and stuff that's following him, you know. Verse 2, when, evildoer, when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my enemies, they stumble and fail. And though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Don't you know there is being quoted in Israel right now? There is somebody right now quoting Psalms 27 to their family, to their friends, in, in, in their synagogues. You know they are. They're doing it in New York City. They're doing it wherever, wherever things are. Across the planet. And Christians are quoting the same verses because there are enemies of the king out there until until Jesus comes back and ends this there is war there's just different degrees of war at times 
Verse 4, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple, just like we were doing a few minutes ago. And in the days of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle, in his tent of meeting. In the secret place, in his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Saul's troops are out there looking for him, but David gets in touch with this. From fear, he shifts over to joy. It's not a false joy. It's not a made-up joy. No, he shifts into joy. He shifts into singing praises. May the whole house of David do this. The Jewish part, the Christian part, may we do this. In humility. Not in vain. Verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Where is his mother and father and his relatives? They're in Moab. You remember, he's of the lineage of Ruth. And he's, he's, when Saul starts coming after him, because Saul, all kings, they kind of want to wipe out the whole family unit. He took the family across state line, so to speak, of Israel into Moab and put, the, put his family with his relatives from the lineage from Ruth. And then he went back. So he, he's alone in that sense. He doesn't have his family. He's purposed not to have his family for their sake, but he's alone. He's just got some followers and some others, but he's got God. He found God as a young man. He's, he knows God. He's been prophesied by Samuel. Are there any more children? Well, yeah, there's one boy. He's out taking care of the sheep. Well, let's just wait until he shows up. Call for him. And when David comes in, he's already gone through all the rest of them. Nope, 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 not this. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. When the ruddy, complected young guy comes in, the Lord says to Samuel, anoint him. And he takes his flask and he anoints him wanting to know who it was, and now they've got a name. Now they've got somebody. They won't forget. 
Now he'll go and work for Saul. He'll take out Goliath. He'll do a lot of things. And then Saul occasionally will just try to pin him to the wall with a spear. You know, just Saul having one of those days. And more and more of those days. And pretty soon Saul's son says to him while they're out, you know, shooting arrows and where they were just going back to pick up the arrows, Jonathan says, you got to run for it. Dad's out to kill you. You, got, you need to leave today. Per Jonathan and his making covenant with David and them changing some clothes so you knew they were in covenant with each other. But he dies in war when his dad does. When this is all over, when this part's all over, David's lost his very favorite best friend. There's a bunch of losses going on in Israel today. There's a bunch of losses of innocent others and other places. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of your foes. Because of, of my foes. Because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. In our Congress, false witnesses. All over the planet. Like, history just kind of cycles around, doesn't it? Like, here's David writing the very same things that we can go, ah, oh, this was just on the news. <laughs> and such as breathe out violence, verse 12. From the river to the sea, they're chanting it. Ivy League students are chanting it. Our places in other, other schools are chanting it. And their cockiness, they've driven, drawn a line across the floor saying, step over this line and go, mm, you are making such a mistake. You just really don't want to do that. You don't want to draw a line and tell God to step over it. You're going to lose. But maybe, maybe an awakening will come. We'll see. Verse 13, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. May that go out across all of Israel today. May that go out across the church today. All the Jews, all the Christians, may that go out today, Lord. May their spirit man be in touch with this. May they not be in despair, but may, but may today and tonight, wherever it's not too, that they will not despair, but believe that they would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. 
Your will be done today, Lord. Psalms, I mean, let's see, Acts 9. I'm going to pick up and do two little stories. Remember last time we stopped and Saul had um, <laughs> stirred up trouble all over the place. He stirred up trouble. They laid him down in a basket in Damascus. He met the, he met the young Christians in, in Jerusalem and they led him into their circle. And then <laughs> after Bar Barnabas got him on the inside track with all them, then he stirs up trouble there too. <laughs> He's just really good. Saul's really good. He's really good. An orator, a brilliant guy, a guy now in love with Jesus. Now he knows God's name. He's become a leader in almost in the way and got the, all the Jewish leadership mad and wanting to kill him. <laughs> so they decide they'll send him back to his hometown, to Tarsus. And when they do, you remember, it ends up saying... Verse 31, this is chapter 9 of Acts. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So things were, <laughs> they had a breather while Saul had been shipped out of town until a better time. Verse 32. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came also to the saints who lived in Lydia. And there he found a man named Ananias, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Eight is the number of new beginning. That's interesting. And 34 Peter says to him, you know, Peter has really, he just keeps getting more and more focused. God just is increasing authority with him. You know, ever since uh, the morning of Pentecost, he just keeps getting stronger and stronger at things. And so we, ex we should expect in our Christianity Without trying, that we, if we just keep walking in our Christianity and praying for people, listening, talking to God, you know, that we will get stronger at, at ministering in His name. It seems real natural. Verse 34 Peter says to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. And all who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now, that you come up with a really good witness when you got someone that's been bedridden for eight years, and Peter comes along and tells him to get up and make up your bed, and he does, and he's back walking after eight years. It's an intention getter. It makes the news. It probably makes the, the channels that they don't even carry the news, this news on. Verse 36, now in Joppa there was a, dis, a disciple named Tabitha, which translates in Greek is called Dorcas. Now, 
Her name means gazelle. Thought that's a neat name, you know. She must get around a lot. Or maybe she ran fast when she was young. I don't know. That's a neat, a neat name for her. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. Verse 39, so Peter arose and went with them, and when he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas had used to, used to make while she was with him. Marie, there's a singles kinship group. Right there. It's a kinship group made out of widows. She's one of them. <laughs> just saying there's kinship groups of all kinds. You can just make them out of all kinds of groups of people. Okay? Verse 40. But Peter sent them all out. Now, notice, use this as a training device. If you've got a bunch of people and they're emotionally really upset, they're, they don't make the ministry team out of them. Okay, because, you know, their, their emotions are over the top. It's hard to hear God when you're emotionally, it can be on either from one end of the scale when you're super depressed to the other end of the scale when you're over the top in happiness. They don't make good ministry team people either right then. You know, you, it's like that. Remember you used to say, you need to center down. You need to get calm when you're going to pray for somebody. And if you got some that aren't, put them further back on the team and put the ones that are calm in the front so that they can kind of, you know, you can always pray for them to hear. Hear what, what's going on. Okay, so, verse 40. Peter sends him out. He knelt down and prayed. Notice that he's starting out right, the right thing, going to talk to Father. And turned to the body, and he says, Tabitha, arise. He gives a command to her. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up and called the saints and the widows, the kinship group, and he presented her alive. I bet there was food and stuff after this. You know, I just imagine there was a party. It's not, even though it's not written here. And it became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Now, the next story will be about Cornelius, and it's a, it's a lot of verses in it, so we won't go there. So, so here we have the Middle East aflame right now. Just like stuff that David was saying in Psalms 27. But we also have people like Peter out there. Could be you, any of us today. 
that God has set you on an assignment to pray for somebody. And he can use any of us as the delivery man. I've noticed that it doesn't really matter if the ups guy stops in front of my driveway or across the street. When he comes over, and now he's been taking pictures of packages. This is a new thing they're doing. I, got, I get an email picture from UPS, and it was a picture of the package sitting that I had ordered from Amazon or some way, and it was sitting next to the garage door so that he could say, huh? People steal them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't see him or her come, but somebody in a big brown truck came and put it out there, took a picture of it, and got back in their big brown truck and went on. You and I are the drivers of the big brown trucks. You know, we got packages. Don't laugh, Robert. You might have a package today to deliver in Jesus' name to somebody. It might, it might not be in a, you know, in a package package. It might be your words or you might put your hand on their shoulder or something or just stand in front of them. And... That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that, that works in Christianity too. Sometimes you take, you take somebody along with you. Yeah, you get other people involved in it. Okay, now I know that was not a very exciting teaching today. But it's, re it's the real world we're in right now, y'all. I mean, this is the real world we're in. Well, yeah, you know, we, we, we won't. I'm sorry that some of them have gone off, the, gone crazy in, in their, their spiritual idea, and their idea is to wipe out Jewish people. I'm sorry that they've got, because this is not going to end well for them. They've taken on God of the universe. But while there's still breath in them, some of them will probably change. And we, can, and we can pray for them. You know? Lord, we thank you for this Lord's Day. We ask you to have mercy all across the planet with people and all the different cultures. You told us to pray for the peace upon Jerusalem. We do. Let us not in the midst of all this, let us be aware to listen for you and what you want each of us to do today while it's still day. We thank you that you let us be gathered. We thank you that you gave Karen a great 
worship set and delivered it, and we all got to participate in that. We thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for all these stories of real people. We thank you for King David, who was a real person, who was of the lineage of the Messiah. We thank you that Jesus was pleasing in all things to you, that he walked out everything you had him walk out until he said it is finished. And that he's gone and he's now sat down at your right hand in the place of authority until you send him back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've sent to be with us all the time. Father, we don't understand a lot of things. But we believe you're a good God. We believe you're everything that you have said about yourself when you placed Moses in the cleft of the rock and you passed by him and you made all these statements about who you are. You are that. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.